Well, hey, if you have your Bible or the YouVersion Bible app, feel free to turn to Luke chapter 19 this morning. That's where we're going to be, Luke chapter 19. We're picking it up right where we left it off, right at the beginning of the chapter. Uh, last week, we talked about a blind man at the end of chapter 18 who cried out for Jesus and who Jesus drew near to. And we're going to talk about a very similar story this morning. We're going to kind of tackle it from a different angle. It's a very familiar story if you've been in the uh, church very, very long the story of Zacchaeus, and you guys know it. Little kids like to sing it. It's about a real short guy, and uh, I'm not sure why it's a kid's story uh, that is uh, really familiar and a popular one to tell the kids. Other than Zacchaeus is short, and kids are short. I, I don't, I know other, I don't know have any other uh, reason for kids to connect with this one, but they do. Our kids ministry people who are off this month are laughing back there, so I think I'm on to something. Let's dive in here, Luke chapter 19. If you are on the app, remember you can always click the more tab than events, and then you can find all the information that you normally find in your bulletin. Luke chapter 19, we're going to start it right at the beginning. This is what it says. He entered Jericho, and he was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeing who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this home, since he is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We're going to talk about this uh, short story here today and what this means for our lives. Uh, but before we do that, let's just go before God in prayer. Let's ask him for his help with that. Pray with me, if you will. Father, we thank you so much for your word that is as good and it's perfect that we could rely on it that uh, we don't have to make up uh, everything on our own, but God, that you give us this as a love letter to us to show us your great love that you have for us. Would you help us to internalize this story and to apply it to? Again, as we prayed earlier, we don't want to be people who just leave this place unaffected. But God, we truly want to glorify you. We want to build up your kingdom, whatever that means, to help us to be faithful and point out things in our lives that you would like for us to be faithful about. And if that means... Uh, taking a step of faith and going out and doing something or stopping something in our lives. God, would you give us the wisdom and the strength and the courage to do it, to be faithful. Jesus, we pray this all in your name. Amen. Have you ever uh, listened or watched or read a story that you have previously seen or watched or read or however you're consuming this story and it just seemed different to you? Uh, I don't know about you, but like with uh, new inventions like Disney+, Plus. Uh, we have that, and we watch it with our kids sometimes. And sometimes we watch the older movies, like the movies that my wife and I kind of grew up on. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, I do not remember this. There's a whole theme to this story that is new, or there's something completely different, or I thought I remembered it being like happy-go-lucky, and it's actually kind of a sad story, right? Like things are just a little bit different sometimes as we age. It's a really cool thing, too. Sometimes Scripture is that way. We talk that this is a story that we typically hear as a kid. 
And here's the amazing thing about Scripture, is that it is new every time you read it. God's Word said that it is living and active in our lives. The Holy Spirit works through His Word in our lives. Uh, I've been going through this uh, Bible plan that we talked about earlier. By the way, they're still at the welcome counter. If you would like one, please grab one. We think it's really important that you get into God's Word every single day. I've been going through that to read the Bible in a year, and I just got through Exodus this uh, past week. And something pointed out, or I, I feel like was just highlighted here uh, in front of me. It was Exodus chapter 25. And right here, God is about to install all the tabernacle stuff. He's giving Moses all of the things that he needs to build this. And uh, he's giving him all this instruction. And when he does, he tells this to Moses. He says, speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves in him. You shall receive the contribution for me. And you might look at this and you're like, uh... Okay, but this really stood out to me because I also read in Exodus 32 this. So this is before Moses goes out on Mount Sinai. He uh, is just receiving this from God. He's receiving the plans. And then he goes up on Mount Sinai. And then you guys know what happens. All the Israelites get really anxious that Moses is gone. And they're like, I don't know what happened to him. He's been gone too long. And so they turn to the second man in command. Aaron, and they said, hey, you got to give us a God. This is crazy. We're out of Egypt. We don't know what we're doing. We're out here in the desert. What on earth are we going to do? And so they turn to Aaron and they do this. It says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, "Up, uh, make us gods who shall go up before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, We don't know what has become of him. And then this happened. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in your ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them to me. Here's what's really interesting about this. When God says it to Moses, he has to build this entire tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, the most holy of holy places. I mean, there are a lot of things required. There's uh, expensive wood, there's gold, silver, bronze, there's purple linens, which are just really expensive back then. It was difficult to make the, the color purple. I mean, just all sorts of things. And yet, God put it on people's hearts to give. And for Aaron, look what happens. He is forcing people. He's saying, hey, give me what you're wearing right now. Give me your jewelry. Go tell your wife. Give me your earrings. Come on, let's go. we got to make this thing. And it just seems so forced. And God just pointed this out to me because I'm going to be honest, as I look around at our church, I just see, man, there's so many things that we have to do. If we want to build up God's kingdom, if we want to glorify him, I see a to-do list that is just massive. And I felt like God was just telling me, hey, Josh, it's okay. I've got it. I've got this. You don't have to be an Aaron. You have to go around forcing people to give you your earrings. You're Moses. I'm going to put it on people's hearts. I don't know about you, but that is just so refreshing. And this is what God's Word can do for us when we just pay attention to it and look at it. But unfortunately, our tendency, if you're anything like me, is you get to a story that's familiar to you and you go, oh yeah, yeah, this is, this is good. Yep, okay, I know this. Uh, they go up to Mount Sinai, blah, blah, blah. they make golden calf, blah, 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 whatever. A lot of plans to make the tabernacle. Blah, blah, blah. Let's keep moving. Come on, let's get to something I don't really remember that well. 
And yet, if we just take a look at Scripture, God will give us something new every single time. Hebrews 4, and I uh, referenced this earlier, but let me read it for you. It says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This is what God's Word does for us. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to look at this very familiar story. We all know this wee lad, Zacchaeus, that climbed up into the sycamore tree. We get that. We know the kid's song. But what does this passage tell us? I think it tells us three things. Let me start right here at the beginning. We'll go over some background and then we'll jump into it. It says, he entered Jericho and he was passing through. Now, here's what you have to understand about Jericho. Jericho is a major trading city, okay? So this would be like going to New York. They have the stock exchange, right? Uh, or LA or Chicago, like some major trading city. There's a lot of wealth in this city as well. And it says, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now we know this from previously on in this series, but just as a quick reminder, remember the Romans were collecting taxes, but the Romans weren't the ones doing it. They bid it out to the highest bidder to whoever wants from their homeland to go out and collect taxes. So Zacchaeus is a Jewish person who is already rich, he bid for this position. Not only did he get a tax collector position, he is a chief tax collector. And what this means is that he uh, is in charge of people who are uh, required to receive taxes from people. And these people, these tax collectors, they don't just receive what was due to them. They receive extra. They want to pad their pockets. They want to become rich. Zacchaeus is their boss. He is a very rich man, and everyone hates him. People hated tax collectors. I mean, they despise them. They would call them traitors of Israel. I mean, really, they would look at them and say, you're not an Israelite. You might as well just call yourself a Roman. You have gone off to the other side. You're a Roman. And so they would look at Zacchaeus and they would say, hey, listen, you're the boss of all these guys. You're the worst of them. You're like the worst of the worst. This was a despised man. He had money, but he had no social standing whatsoever. I could imagine him as someone who had money, but no social status, just being very lonely. You know what I mean? Because money can get you some temporary happiness. It can buy you a nice meal. It can get you nice clothes. It can get you a nice house. But it can't buy you true satisfaction. And I bet for somebody like Zacchaeus, he went in this position thinking like, hey, who needs friends? I'm going to have a ton of money. And he found himself extremely lonely, despised. And so he goes and it says this in verse 3, that he was seeking to see Jesus, but on account that the crowd uh, he could not because he was so small in stature. I kind of uh, think of him as like a Danny DeVito type of a guy, just really short, kind of shoulders are kind of up there. His, his voice is kind of high-pitched, like, he's kind of an angry guy. I don't know. That's just the picture they have in my head. But he's running ahead. And this is really important to point out, because Jewish people, especially Jewish men of renown, like this guy, I mean, he's a chief tax collector. He wasn't uh, thought of as a very uh, great guy, but he, I mean, he had a lot of money. He would want to present himself well. He's running. Jewish men of this stature did not run. I mean, they just, this is not an okay thing to do. Not only that, he's climbing up into a tree. Now, a sycamore tree, this has short branches. He could have climbed up this uh, pretty easily, even though he's a pretty short guy. 
But again, men did not do this. This is a child's activity to climb up into a tree. This is a childlike activity that he's doing. And yet to seek Jesus, he's becoming almost like a child. We've talked about the importance of that, having that childlike faith. Zacchaeus is doing that right now. He's acting like an absolute fool. I mean, could you imagine the people who are around him and there are they already don't like him, right? I mean, could you imagine the whispers that are going up? Is that oh, that's that oh, that dirtbag Zacchaeus? Oh, can you believe what he's doing? He's is he? No, is he climbing a tree? Do you see this guy? I mean, everybody would be talking about this. He's climbing a tree. Everyone around him can see him. They know that he is a just not a good guy, and they're talking about him. And yet, look at what Zacchaeus does. He does it anyways. In verse 3, it says this. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. Jesus acted. He came into his town. Zacchaeus was faithful. The first thing I want to point out to you about this passage is when God acts, be faithful. God acts always first. And in all of Scripture, God always acts first. In our lives, God acts first. And our job simply is to be faithful. Even if we act like an absolute fool like Zacchaeus, everyone would have been talking about him. Everyone would have been whispering behind his back, or maybe not even whispering. Nobody liked this guy. So they could have just talked out loud, right? And they're saying, hey, why? can you believe this guy? Everyone would have been talking about him, and yet he does it nonetheless. He says, hey, I'm going to do it because I want to know who Jesus is. He's seeking after Jesus. Jesus acts. Zacchaeus acted faithfully. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about this too. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. This is the kind of the attitude that I think Zacchaeus has. He's just doing it. He's unwavering. And he's saying, you know what? I am going to do this no matter what. And when we do this in our lives, when we're saying, hey, you know what? I get it. Uh, Everyone around me is telling me not to do this. I'm going to be faithful, though. And I don't care other men's opinions. I care about God's opinions. And I am going to be faithful. There's an outcome with that. There's an outcome of peace that comes along with that. Because we can say, as Jesus said uh, in Matthew 25, this uh, same thing. He says, Uh, His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. Paul echoes this same thing when he writes to Timothy. He says at the end of his life, he's saying, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. This is the type of attitude that comes along when you're faithful. And you can just simply say, hey, I've been faithful. I know it hasn't always panned out for me with earthly things. I haven't had the best social status. I haven't had the most stuff that I could have gotten. But I remain faithful. I don't know about you, but that's the attitude that I want to have at the end of my life. The same thing that Paul had. We could say, hey, when God called, we answered faithfully. That's the first thing I think this story teaches us. And then look what happens next here in verse 5. It says this, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must 
stay at your house today. Now, this is a big deal. Now, obviously, it's a big deal for us to have somebody over as well. Uh, but typically, when Tammy and I have people over, it's like a quick meal. Let's throw something in the crock pot. Let's get something that's frozen that we could just heat up. Let's order some pizzas, and let's just hang out with these people. Back then, they did not have this option. They could not just uh, pull up their Uber Eats app and say, hey, what do you want to eat? All right, look, click, click, click. All right, awesome. It'll be here in a half hour, right? I mean, they didn't have this option. This is labor-intensive work to make a meal for someone. I mean, this is a whole day activity. This is a big deal. Jesus would have been over at Zacchaeus' house for hours and hours and hours hanging out with him. And so after this, Zacchaeus, it says, hurried down, came down and received him joyfully. But look what happens. It says, when they all saw it, they grumbled. Oh, he's gone and to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Again, people looked at Zacchaeus and they said, this guy is absolutely not a good guy. He's a traitor. He might as well call himself a Roman. And Jesus says that he's the son of God and he's going in the presence of this guy? Yeah, right. Come on. Why is he doing the People are just talking. They're grumbling. And I don't know about you, but when people do that, I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult to go out against the crowd, right? It's difficult to do something differently than what everyone else wants you to do. But Zacchaeus does. Look at his response here in verse 8. It's so good. Zacchaeus, it doesn't say that he responds to everyone. It doesn't say, hey, you know what? You're a moron. You don't know what you're talking about. Jesus, come to my house, not yours. No, 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 boo-boo. Right? He's not doing that. He's looking at what he says to Jesus. He says, he stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore fourfold. Now, that sounds great. Uh, when we're hearing it, we're like, whoa, Zacchaeus, you're a changed man. That's, that's awesome. But what he's referring to is something so much deeper. In fact, back in Mosaic Law, all the way back to the Old Testament, it says the, uh, to restore something fourfold is uh, the biggest punishment that you could receive. Uh, if you were uh, it, it, defrauding someone back then, or uh, if you were caught stealing or something like that, and you came forward, uh, someone, no one came to you. You were just, you felt guilty. You couldn't handle it anymore. Uh, what, we, what you'd have to do is you have to go and do the sin offering. And then you'd have to restore it from the person that you uh, took it from uh, fully plus one-fifth. So 120% you had to give back. Now, that's a pretty you know, okay punishment. You're like, okay, that, that's, I need to you know, compensate you from what I took from you. And I'll, you know, I'll give you a little bit extra. It gets worse, though. If you stole it and you did not come forward and uh, someone caught you and said, hey, that's my chicken. You stole my chicken. They wouldn't have chickens, I guess. A cow, uh, that, that's a little bit more kosher of an animal. Uh, hey, you stole that from me. Uh, you know what? Uh, that's mine, and I caught you. You would not only have to give that cow back, but another one as well. 200% you would have to give back. The only way that you would have to give back 400% is if you stole something, you got caught in it, and you could not repay. So let's say you stole someone's cow, and then you sold it for some money, and then you spent that money, or the cow died, or something happened where you could not repay it. What you'd have to do is you'd have to go in debt fourfold. You'd have to give back 400%. So when Zacchaeus is saying this, when he's saying, hey, I want to restore this fourfold, he's saying, I take the highest punishment on myself. What is he doing? He's admitting he is wrong. 
He is in the most wrong possible. And he has a giant need for Jesus. He has a giant need for a Savior to come on and help him. And so I think the second thing that we uh, can learn from this passage is that we also need to admit that we have a huge, massive need for God. That we've all fallen short. And we know the classic verses with that, right? Romans 3.23, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And the punishment for this also, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we know there is no eternal life outside of Jesus. John 14.6, Jesus makes this very clear. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we need to admit this. Here's the deal, guys. I think if we, um, sometimes it's easy to kind of get in a funk in our relationship with the Lord. Sometimes you're really close, and then sometimes you're like, man, I just, I just feel like I'm away from God. If you feel that, lean into this. Lean into the need that you have for the Lord, and it'll help with that. When you go through life and you're saying, yeah, I don't, you know, God's good. You know, I, I go to church and, you know, everything's great and that's, that's good. And uh, I'm just going to keep on doing my thing. And, you know, that's, that's just part of my life, go to church, but, you know, whatever. You are going to get in a difficult spot in your relationship with the Lord. But when you go through life and you know, say, no, 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 I constantly need God. I need his transformation in my life to change me from me to more like him. Right? I need Him to make me a new creation. I am a broken person and I need Jesus. I need His sacrifice in my life. When you do that, it can break you from that funk in your relationship. And it's really important. And Zacchaeus shows us that if he can do it, someone who is a reject from society, someone who has chosen to uh, betray his country, betray the Israelites to go on to the side of the Romans. If he can do it, we could do it too. One last uh, thing I want to point out to you, and this is Jesus's response to Zacchaeus here. This is fascinating to me. Uh, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Now remember, they looked at him as a traitor, as not an Israelite, but a Roman. And now you have Jesus who is saying, hey, no, 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 this is my friend, Zacchaeus. This is my friend. He is a son of Abraham. I think that he's not only saying that because Zacchaeus is of Jewish descent. In other words, it's not just because of his biology or his DNA. It is because of what God is doing in him and how Zacchaeus is responding. Now, I think something that we need to uh, look at this story and just clarify is it's not because of Zacchaeus's outward actions that uh, cause him to be saved. That's not it at all. It's what God is doing on the inside. In fact, I would say that these outward actions that Zacchaeus is doing is just evidence of what is happening on the inside. That God is calling him a brand new creation because Zacchaeus is being faithful in what God is doing in his life. Jesus says he is a son of Abraham. Who's Abraham? He is uh, who God used to reach the entire world for him. And he's saying, hey, listen, you're my son, Zacchaeus. You're mine. You're a new creation in me. I've made you new. And then Jesus says, it's not just for Zacchaeus either. Not just for him. It's for everyone. 
Look at what he says in verse 10. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is saying, hey, this is, this is why I came in the first place. This is why for people like Zacchaeus, when I'm stirring in their midst, they are seeking after me. And they're willing to go against the crowd and they're willing to act like an absolute fool and run and climb trees to come after me. Whatever it takes, they're responding faithfully. Zacchaeus did it. And Jesus is saying, so can you. This, these are the people who I'm here for. Not the people who are grumbling about Zacchaeus, me hanging out with him. Hey, they're going to go do their own thing. I'm here for people who want to draw close to me. Jesus is here to save everyone. I think that's the last thing that this passage teaches us simply is that Jesus offers salvation to everyone. You may feel like Zacchaeus this morning, a short person who's fallen short of the glory of God. You may feel like, man, I... I call myself this, but I feel like I'm a traitor. I, I call myself a Christian. I show up to church, but I, like Zacchaeus, have turned to do my own thing, to satisfy myself with other things. And that's just not right. And I'm here to tell you, hey, listen, God wants you. He wants a relationship with you. We're just going all over the classic verses today uh, with, uh, after the points here. But John 3.16, it says this, and you guys probably know this verse. For God so loved the world, He gave uh, His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say anyone who grew up in the right family, any Israelite, anyone who's gone to church their whole life. No, 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 anyone. God's will is that all would be saved. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us that the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The same thing is in 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. It says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus is here to save you, no matter where you are within today. And if you don't leave with anything else, let me tell you this. Jesus wants a relationship with you. And here's the promise that I think that this story here of Zacchaeus really embodies. It's a promise that we get in James chapter 4. And it's what Grace read earlier for us. It says this, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And this is not just for the perfect either. It's not just for the people who are like, oh yeah, I've gone to church my whole life. I've never messed up. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm just a great person. No, 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 it doesn't say that. Look at what the second half of this verse says. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. James is saying, hey, listen, for everyone, not just for the goody-two-shoes who can make it through life with no evidence of their sin, but for everyone, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Zacchaeus did it. He did what it took to draw near to God. He said, I'm going to go out against the crowd. And I don't care what I look like. I don't care what people are saying, but I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to run after God. I'm going to climb that tree. I'm going to look after Him because He is in my midst and I am going to respond faithfully. And for each and every one of us, our job is the same. God's in our midst. He's stirring in our lives. And He's asking us the same thing He asked Zacchaeus. Will you respond faithfully?
Will you do what, what I'm calling you to do? Even if you feel like you've completely blown it. I mean, Zacchaeus, he would have felt like this. He would have felt like, man, I, I blew it. Everybody hates me. And I, I mean, I, I should not be in crowds. I'll just show up. I'll do my job. I'll go home and I'll have lots of money and that'll be great. And I'll just, I'll just try to get through life with my money. And yet it wasn't enough for him. When God came close, he stirred it in his heart. He sought after God. He responded faithfully. So my question for you today is, will you do the same? Will you respond faithfully when God is in your midst? And here's what the Bible tells us, that when two or three are gathered, he's with us. So he's here today. Will you respond faithfully? He might be putting something on your heart. He might be saying, hey, you know what? It's time that you gave up that sin. It's time that whatever's going on with that, it needs to just stop. He may be calling you to get a new job. He may be calling you to have a conversation with someone. It's going to be different for each and every one of us. But God is stirring in our midst. And he's asking each and every one of us, will you be faithful? Will you do what I'm calling you to do? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you are a good, kind, and merciful God. That instead of turning away from us in our sin, you say, I want you. I want a relationship with you. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to send my one and only son to die a horrific, torturous death on your behalf so that I can have a relationship with you. Jesus, we thank you for that. Thank you for the sacrifice that you gave to us. And Father, would you help us to respond to what you've already done on the cross faithfully? Whether that's giving our lives to you for the first time, whether that's saying, all right, today things changed. Today that sin in my life is no more, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get rid of it. It's done. We're getting rid of it. Today is the final day. It's done. Or Father, whether that's saying that we will have that conversation. We're going to step out. We're going to have that conversation. We're going to show this person your love, who you are. Even if it feels like it's just ridiculous and everyone's talking about us and everyone's looking at us, Father, we pray that we would respond faithfully. Just as Zacchaeus did, as he ran through that crowd and people were talking about him, and as he heard it, and yet he climbed that tree anyways. Father, I pray that we would be faithful. Again, we just thank you so much that you're such a good God that would reach out to each and every one of us, that would want to have a relationship with each and every one of us. And Father, we want to respond faithfully because of that, because of how kind and how good you are to us. We thank you. Thank you for offering us a new life, for transforming us, for making us a new creation in you. Father, would you help us to respond faithfully, no matter what that means. And it's in your precious, life-changing name we pray. Amen.